was real loud. She was going, woo, woo. And I looked at her, and she leaned over and said, nobody else is saying anything. <laughs> so she's real encouraging. Of course, my, my oldest, Olivia, she told me this morning. She said, oh, you're preaching this morning? She said, good, don't mess up. <laughs> so no, nothing like encouragement from your family at home. Amen. Um, we're going to continue today with the series that Pastor Jordan has been ministering on planted. Um, and the, the, the first thing I'd like to do this morning is actually go back over two passages that he's been sharing on to get started. So if we could please in your Bible, turn to Psalm 92, Psalm chapter 92. And if you look up on the screen, they have it as well. I'm going to use the King James starting in verse 12. Uh, and, and Pastor Jordan's been talking about the difference between being potted and being planted. Um, planted means you allow your roots to go down deep. You're not going to be moved. Potted means you can be easily moved by all kinds of things, by what somebody says, by what somebody does, by what your feelings are telling you, all that sort of thing. If there's something we need to realize, it's that our emotions are a hostile witness. You know, in trial, they have these things called hostile witnesses. It means we're going to let this person be a witness in this trial. However, we don't trust them. You cannot trust your feelings. You cannot trust any, well, I shouldn't say any time, but the vast majority of the time I've made a decision based on my feelings, it was the wrong decision and there were consequences I suffered from it. So you have to watch yourself. And one of the things that causes people to be potted rather than planted is their feelings, their emotions, how they feel, what they want, all that. That's one of the main things that will cause people to transplant and decide, well, I want to go somewhere else. But as pastors talked about, you know, when you find a hungry person, they're never looking for a tumbleweed. I got to go find something to eat. I need some nourishment. No, 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 no. I don't want that apple tree. Where's a tumbleweed? That would be delicious. Tumbleweeds produce no fruit because they have no roots. You have to be rooted to have fruit. So maybe you're a Christian and you're wondering, well, how come people aren't coming to me for counsel? Or why aren't people coming to me to have hands laid on them? Or why are, is there fruit there? If someone doesn't see your fruit, they're not going to come to you for fruit. There has to be fruit that's seen. And that only happens as we're rooted. Amen? Isn't that encouraging this morning? <laughs> But well, let's look at what the word says. So it says, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree and shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted. Now notice it's those. It doesn't say everyone. It says those. Those. Not them. Those that be planted. Because you have to make a choice to be planted. Listen, being planted isn't always easy. It isn't always easy. But it says, those that be planted in the house of the Lord, and we know from Timothy, that's the church, shall flourish in the courts of our God. Verse 14, please. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. Now, that's one of the things that happens when you're planted. When you're planted, when you're old, you're still producing fruit. You don't get to a point where that stops. Actually, it should increase the older we get. Why? Because our roots get deeper. Our roots get more founded. Our rooms get, roots, root, root, roots are able to dig more deeply into the things of God. In old age, they shall be fat and flourishing. Fat just means anointed. It doesn't mean you have to get fat. But it means you're anointed and you're flourishing. To show that God is upright, he is my rock, and there's no unrighteousness in him. Now notice, one of the reasons that we're to produce fruit is to be a good example for God. Why do we do this? To show that God is upright. What's the purpose of trying to be a witness if my life's a train wreck all the time? 
See, why, why, if I come to someone and they know that my life is just one issue after another and I start witnessing to them, what is the thing that's going to make them want what I got? You need to serve my God. Well, wait a second. You're always sick. Your kids are always sick. There's always some sort of a problem. You guys are always sort of, why in the world? And you said your, your, your God is helping supply. Why would I want to do that? Why would I want to be a part of that? Right. Now, listen, there are times that all of us run into pickles, yeah. rough spots, difficult times. That happens. It's like Pastor Jordan Smucker said, we don't choose the fight that comes to us, but we have to choose to fight when it does come. So there are times that things are that. That's just part of living. That, and, and, and people say, well, I want to be delivered of that. Well, that's not going to happen until the devil's gone. Right. Yeah. You know, or we mature to the place where we get like Paul was, and he said, hey, man, nothing, nothing affects me anymore. I'm just not there yet. like to get there, but not there yet. So that's not to say that there aren't going to be issues. However, the Word tells us that, listen, one of the reasons we produce this kind of fruit is because it makes God look good. It makes God look good. And, and last week, Pastor Jordan shared the, the New Testament example of this out of Ephesians chapter 4. When we look at Ephesians chapter 4, he started talking about the five-fold ministry gifts. And you see, it says they... Oh, Ephesians chapter 4, it says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. If you're not familiar with the fivefold ministry, it's pretty simple. An evangelist goes out and plants churches. The prophet gets the heart of God and shares that with the body of Christ, what God's doing in the body of Christ today. An evangelist performs signs, wonders, and miracles, gets people born again. If they don't perform signs, wonders, and miracles, they're not a New Testament evangelist. The pastor, will come back to the pastor, a teacher just teaches. So the teacher comes, they teach something, it should be easy to understand, and then the teacher leaves, and that's what they do. The pastor, the pastor's responsibility is to feed, to lead, and to protect. So the shepherd will feed the word of God, feed the message that we need to hear out of the word of God. Sometimes people get ants in their pants. Well, how come we never talk about this? Because it's not what you need. This is what we need at this time in our lives because what happens is the Spirit of God comes to Pastor Jordan and gives him the message and said, this is what you guys need to be talking about in your church right now. It's like um, Psalm 92. Psalm 92 says, the shepherd leads me into green pastures. You've never seen a sheep stand up and say, hey, 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 not today. Let's go over here. <laughs> That's why he consistently refers to the shepherd and the congregation as sheep and the shepherd. So the shepherd leads and the shepherd ministers this particular word. And what happens if you stay planted over time, you'll get to all the stuff you need to know. The problem is people don't stay planted. They're like, well, I keep missing this because you keep jumping around. If I stay planted, eventually God will direct him to exactly what I need. And what I'm hearing right now is exactly what I need. The reason that God is having Pastor Jordan minister on being planted right now is because you're going to have opportunity to transplant. That's why these messages come. You're like, well, why are we talking about this? Because there is an opportunity that is going to come during the service, after the service, where you'll be tempted to transplant. Something will happen to you or to someone you care about, and you'll have opportunity to transplant. That's why God does that. That's why God ministers the way he does. Why are we talking about this? And then you'll realize a month, realize a month later, that's why. That's why he ministered on this. So um, the, the pastor, again, Feed, lead. Paul talked to Timothy, said, hey, your example, 
is important, and then protect. I can't tell you how many times over the last 20 years I've sat in a meeting with Dr. Jacobs or Pastor Jordan and had them share their heart with someone and mention, that's probably not a good idea. Every time they did what the pastor said is probably not a good idea, we always had to have another session because of the train wreck that happened as a result. It's not a matter, it's like Pastor Jordan said, it's like guardrails. You should never look at guardrails and think, I'm offended, that's prohibiting my driving freedom. How in the world could you possibly do that to me? It's for safety. Guardrails are for safety. If you've ever had an incident and you hit a guardrail, you're happy it's there instead of going off the cliff. So those are kind of the choices. You, you know, you can get where you want to get driving in a ditch. You get there. You'll eventually get there. If, if you want to drive in a ditch, you can get there. It's just going to take a long time, and it's going to create a lot of damage. You can get down the road, but, man, it's going to be rough getting there. It's much smoother if you drive on the road instead of in the ditch. I'm not interested in any more ditch living. It's just no fun. Ditch living is no fun. So we see here, and it goes on and talks about the fivefold ministry gifts. It says they're given to us for the perfecting of the saints, or more or less so we can grow up, so that we can do the work of the ministry and so we can help build up the body of Christ. So the purpose of the fivefold ministry is what Pastor Jordan talked about last week. One reason, so we mature. So we can grow up. Listen, sitting under a pastor won't mature you. But being planted under a pastor will. Attending church doesn't mean I'm planted. Attending church means I'm here. Doesn't mean I'm planted. What does planted mean? You invest your life. You invest. What's that mean? My time, you got that. We're, we're spending time here. My anointing, all of you are anointed to do something. All of you have a ministry. You're gifting what God's given you to share not only with this congregation, but with people outside these walls. There's a financial investment. All of those things are indicators I'm planted because there are people who go to church for years, and what happens? They never mature. Why? Because they never invest. And because they never invest, there's never that, never that reciprocal response from God. There's never that growing. There's, well, it's kind of this way. I've got three kids sitting over here. Olivia, wave Olivia. <laughs> Chloe, wave Chloe. Put your hand a little higher. There we go. Appreciate that. And Samuel. Samuel, let's wave. That's, yeah, that's kind of Samuel's response. Well, there are times that I give them things they don't want to do. There are times I ask them to do things that are challenging. There are times that I ask them to do things and they don't like me very much for it. If any of you have ever been around for any number of years after youth camp, what's, what's, when they come back from youth camp, the youth give a testimony of what happened at youth camp. And for probably five years straight, Olivia came back and... Two, anyway, it felt like five. So Olivia would come back after youth camp, and she said, well, I was really mad at my dad, and I kind of hated him, but I forgive him. He's okay now. I'm like, forgive me for what? For being dad? So, so there are things, and if you've ever had children, there are things you had them do, you've encouraged them to do, sometimes you made them do. They didn't want to do, but you understood, this is going to help you down the road. This is going to help you grow. This is going to help you mature. This is going to help you take responsibility. No, you don't like this now, but you will look back and you will say, thank you 
for making me do that. Thank you for not letting me slide by. Thank you for putting me in a situation where I had to deal with the consequences of my actions sometimes. Thank you for doing that. What's a pastor do? A pastor comes and ministers a message, and there are times that the message is ministered, and you may be sitting there, and let's say, let's say Doc's sitting here, Anthony's sitting here, I like to call him Doc, and he said, and in his mind, now not with this mouth, because he knows if he says it with this mouth, he won't look as spiritual as he wants people to think he is. He says it in his brain. He says, I don't like this message at all. Why? Well, you don't like a message because it's you. Something you have to deal with. And what happens, I can't tell you how many times I've sat in a service and the pastor has ministered a message. And the reason he's ministering that message is because God's trying to help you. And instead of him saying, Chris Stumler, thus saith the Lord, this is for you. Treat your <laughs> wife better. That's not typically what he says. What happened? The pastor will just be ministering and he'll be talking to the Spirit of God. will be helping him to talk about different things. And one of those things hits you. And you're like, oh my goodness, that hurts, that's me. And what happens is the devil says, yes, and everybody knows it. <laughs> you're on the front row and everybody's staring at you right now because they know this is for you and they know this is your problem. You're a terrible Christian. What's he trying to do? Get you to transplant. He wants you to think it's you and everybody knows. It's you. He knows and everybody else knows. The pastor don't even know. most. There may be times he does, but the pastor doesn't even have a clue. What's happened? It's just God saying, hey, secretly... Let's, let's get this taken care of because there's a problem down the road. What's that help us do? It helps us mature. But, but sometimes when that happens, people don't like it and they run off because they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. wait, 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 wait. I want to go somewhere that's comfortable. I, 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 I want to be comfortable. I don't necessarily want to be free. I want to be comfortable because this is, this is very uncomfortable. And that doesn't mean that every time you come to church, you should feel like you're being beaten up on or anything. But it's a matter of understanding, hey, if I'm going to come and we hear about all these great things that God has for us, but the only way I'm going to get, be able to, to enjoy those things is if, I, is, is if I learn about it. Maybe I got to grow up a little bit. Maybe, maybe what I say, our confession, maybe what I say, I need to change what I say a little bit or how I say things or, you know, it's just basic stuff and it's just little tweaks. But see, it says we're given the fivefold ministry to help us grow up so that what? As we grow up, we can do the work of the ministry. So then we don't have to send everybody to the pastors. Pastor Jordan, we need you to go here. Pastor Lauren, we need you to do this. Pastor Jordan, we need this. Pastor Lauren, we need this. Now that we've grown up, we're able to do some of that stuff. And it's encouraging if you're called and you're asked to do something, guess what that means? You've showed some perfecting. Now, don't, don't look at your spouse and say, hey, I'm perfect. Did you hear that? <laughs> I got a call that means I'm perfect. Submit to me. That's not what that means. That just means, hey, I've shown some level of maturity because I've shown some level of planting. And then we continue on, and it says, for the edifying of the body of Christ, verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so we can grow into the fullness of some things. I'm not there yet, but we can grow into some fullness of things. Full. Full is better than empty. Full is always better than empty. 14, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. What's that mean? If we grow up, we won't act like kids. We won't be tricked. Because the Bible tells us don't be, uh, uh, don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. So what happens as we are planted in a church 
under a pastor. You, by the way, you can't be planted in a church without being planted under a pastor. You know, in the Old Testament, they didn't talk about pastors. In the New Testament, they do. The only way to be planted in the house of the Lord is to be planted under a pastor or the gift that God put in the pastor. That doesn't make the pastor perfect. Pastor Lauren, is Pastor Jordan perfect? Pastor Jordan, she's a little too enthusiastic. <laughs> Pastor Jordan, is Pastor Lauren perfect? No, she's not. Why? <laughs> Pastor, I, you should say yes. <laughs> no one's perfect, but the great thing is the gift that God put in you is. It's just got to work its way through you. The gift that's in you is perfect. It's just got to work its way through you. You know, you know in, in Mark 11 where it talks about that mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. and also, Sometimes we're the mountain. We're the thing that gets in our own way. Sometimes it's the mountain of me. And sometimes I just got to get myself out of the way so that God can actually get done what he wants to get done. Amen. So we see here, those are two passages that Pastor Jordan has spoken about. But, but, but listen, listen, listen. If you haven't noticed in society, one thing that people have a great deal of problem with is commitment. Committing to something and staying with something. You know, we, we see it in marriages. We see it in churches. You see it all over the place. Wherever someone needs to make a commitment, you know, you, you see it in the workplace. You don't give me what I want, I'm gone. It doesn't really have anything to do sometimes in people's thinking with what God told them to do. It's how they feel. Well, what am I getting out of this? And here's the thing. If you're going to stay planted... If I'm going to stay planted in anything, I don't need to be thinking I need to stay planted at Church on the Rock. No. I don't need to be thinking I need to stay planted under Pastor Jordan and Pastor Lauren. No. What should be your focus? I need to stay planted in love. If you want a message, title, that's it. Rooted in love. If you look at Ephesians chapter 3, uh, in Ephesians 1, there's a verse that we always pray. In Ephesians 3, there's a verse that we always pray. But when you look at Ephesians chapter 3, what happens is Paul says this. He says, For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by your spirit and his inner man. So that's good to pray if you need strength. Father, strengthen me in my inner man. But the next thing, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now, here's what happens after that. When you're rooted and grounded in love, here's what you can do next. Only after you're rooted and grounded in love will you be able to comprehend with all the saints the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ. You can't know his love if you're not rooted in his love. And it goes on, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Wait a second. We just talked about getting into the fullness of God in Ephesians chapter 4. The fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. Here it says, might be filled with all the fullness of God. How does that fullness happen? Planted. Planted how? You have to be rooted in love. One of the things, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where it talks about love, verses 4 through 8... Two of the things that always stick out to me, number one, love always thinks the best. Number two, love doesn't have to have its way. That's usually why people transplant. Mm, out of anything. Out of anything. They don't think the best of the situation. They have to have their way. 
That's why people transplant. If I don't have to have my way, how will I ever be offended? I never will. If I'm always thinking the best of the situation, how will I get mad about it? People get upset about situations because they don't think the best of the situation or they have to have their way. That's why people transplant those two things. I'm not thinking the best, and I have to have my way. Do you have to have your way? Just answer that to yourself in your head. Don't say it out loud because then everybody knows. <laughs> but do you have to have your way? Does it have to be your way or you're not happy about it? Now, listen, there are times that things happen, and things even happen in church. And you may need to talk to somebody about that. But the person you talk to is the person who can fix it, not the person who can't. When you talk to the person who can't fix it, that's just gossip. They can't fix anything. See, that's the difference. If I go to, if, there, if, there's, a, if there's a problem that I am aware of in the praise and worship team, I'm going to Amzi because he's in charge of the praise and worship. And not with an attacking attitude because, again, love thinks the best. I don't know if what I heard is right. I don't have a clue. So I'm not going in automatically thinking he's wrong. I'm going in thinking, I don't have a clue what's going on, but somebody mentioned this. I just want to bring this to your attention. There's a right way to do it, and there's a wrong way. If you've been married longer than 15 minutes, you understand there's a way to say it that comes across right, and there's a way to say it that comes across wrong. So if you've been married longer than 15 minutes, you understand there's a difference in how you say things. And how you say things is very important because sometimes if I say it the wrong way, automatically I shut people out and they become defensive. So if there's an issue that I'm having a trouble with, having a problem with, I'll go to Brother Amsey if it's in that department because I know he has the authority to fix it if it even needs to be fixed. In Ephesians where they, or Acts, excuse me, where they set up the ministry of helps, it said that there were a bunch of people who were upset because these widows weren't being served food. That needed to be fixed. That's something that the apostles maybe didn't know about and needed to be brought to their attention. So there are things in a church, especially in a growing church like ours, hey, we might need to know. We don't know about that. We don't know that's that. We didn't know that went on. You need to talk to them. But you need to talk to the person who can fix it, not somebody who can't fix it. Because what happens is this, when you do that, and people hear you, people know that's not rooted in love. Yeah. Amen? Amen? And then we're all thinking, oh my goodness, what have I ever said in my life that could be taken? What I say is important. What I don't say is important. But we see here from that passage, rooted and grounded in love. We, we look at another place here. There's another scripture. Um, go ahead and put up Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Colossians chapter 2 says something very similar. As you have therefore received Jesus Christ the Lord, so walk ye in him. Now God is love. So that just says walk in love. And then we see next, rooted and built up in him. What is God? Love. What's it tell us to be? Rooted in love. As a matter of fact, the only two places I can tell that we're supposed to be rooted in anything are these two passages. Now, there are a lot of things that are rooted out, but these are the only two things I can find where to be rooted in. Him, which is love, and Ephesians 3, rooted in love. 
and established in the faith. Pastor Jordan talked about that last week. We get stability when we stay planted. And you, uh, as you have been taught, therefore, uh, or abounding, therefore, with thanksgiving. If you're not very thankful, if I'm not a very thankful person, one of the reasons for that is I'm not rooted in love. If I'm more complaining, there's always an issue that I'm not happy about. There's always something that it's because I'm not rooted in love. See, because what happens is that stuff builds and it builds and it builds over the years until it gets to the point where you're like, I can't stand it. I'm transplanting to something else. And understand this, wherever an individual transplants to, there will be the exact same problem. Do you know why? Because they are there. The problem is not with anyone else. It's with me. The problem is with me. If I'm rooted and grounded in love, God, God's all about love. If I'm rooted and grounded in love, he'll take care of it. Every situation. See, so I'm the thing. So do, do you know everywhere I go, I'm there? Everywhere I go, I am there. So everywhere I go, I take with me what I am. So if I'm not going to be rooted in love, married to Jenny, I'm not going to be rooted in love if I marry somebody else. Because I'm there. If I'm not rooted in love at Church on the Rock, and I decide to transplant to another church, I won't be rooted in love in there because I'm there. So people sometimes are looking at the situations and thinking the situations are the problem. No, the problem is what I'm rooted in. Because what I'm rooted in determines the fruit that I produce. So if I'm rooted in love, what kind of fruit am I going to produce? Love. If I'm rooted in me, what am I going to produce? Me. People don't need you, they need love. Now, when I say don't need you, I'm talking about don't need the, 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 the carnal part of us. We're all, we've all been carnal. We've all said the wrong things. We've all done the wrong things. We're people. That happens. It says we're maturing, excuse me, <laughs> puberty. We're maturing <laughs> until we get to that place. But until we get to that place, we're not perfected. None of us are. So we will do things that don't come across right. We will say things that we probably didn't word the way we should have worded. Some, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you just have a day. You ever had one of those days? Sometimes you just have a day. And somebody can ask you an innocent question, and, and, and you respond like you're having one of those days. And it's not very pleasant. Or, or you're snappy or snippy or whatever the case may be. Or snappy. You know, that's like a dresser or something. So you, 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 you come across in a way that is not love. But, but the great thing about God is, is he cuts us some slack. It's called mercy. And we need to be willing to extend the same mercy to other people that we want them to extend to us. So if you've ever had one of those days, what does love say? Love thinks the best. Love says, well, you know, maybe Sister Arlene's just having one of those days. And that's why she came across that way. Or, well, maybe, well, I, I don't know, maybe Sister Madeline just ha had a bad situation she's dealing with. Or, or maybe, because it's amazing what people can be upset about. I saw you in the hall and you didn't wave to me. Oh, yeah. 
what? I didn't even see you. I've had people drive by me in their car and we honked and waved. Why didn't you wave back? I just, I didn't see you. I'm sorry. I mean, I mean, really? <laughs> if love thinks the best, love says, I don't know. They might have just been having a deal. I've had deals before. Brother Dan, you ever had a deal? Now, answer right. Miss Trisha sitting right here. You ever had a deal? We've all had deals before. But if I'm rooted and grounded in love, number one, I'll have less of those deals. And number two, I'll understand people are just people. But Brother Sean, you don't know what they said to my kid. Probably nothing that hadn't been said to my kids. Just part of it. It's part of life. It's part of dealing with people. And listen, here's a great thing to think about. As we continue to grow as a church, we're going to have more and more people who come into the church that aren't church people. So guess what's going to happen? They, 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 they won't act like church people. So they may say things that are shocking to you. Oh my goodness, they said a four-letter word in front of my child. And I'm not talking like boat. <laughs> well, listen, my kids go to a Christian school and they hear that word probably every day. Is that pretty accurate? Oh, yeah. It's part of life. It's part of living in a planet where the devil tries to wreak havoc, and we're here to help people not have havoc wreaked in their life. So we don't want those people out there being beaten up. We want those people in here where they can get the help that they need to walk in what Jesus has made available. But we have to understand when they come in, they're not going to act like you because you've been here 30 years. Or dress like me or talk like me. There will come a point where I can't just leave my purse. Not that I have a purse. But if I, if I, if I were a woman, I wouldn't leave my purse and go get a drink from water because, of water because we're a growing church. Hopefully we, we get to the point where we wouldn't have call. Brother Sean, I left my iPad on the, on the table in the small fellowship hall. Well... Hope you had it insured. As a growing church, we want people who aren't perfect because we're not perfect. The church is for the imperfect, not the perfect. If you're perfect, you'd be in heaven. I realize we've all met people who think they're perfect. Bless their darling hearts. Of course, they're not rooted in love. But the church is for imperfect people. This is exactly where imperfect people need to be. And if I'm rooted in love, the way they act won't bother me. The way they talk won't bother me. Now, there comes a point where, you know, you got to clean that stuff up. There are certain things that can't be done. But, hey, if you're trying to help the world, guess what? You're going to have a little of the world around you. That's what the Bible says. Listen. I'm supposed to go out and get those people. I'm supposed to go out and befriend those people. I'm supposed to go out and reach out to those people. If I've got this great gift and I've got all these things that I know about and I've got all this abundance that I'm enjoying, why wouldn't I share it with somebody instead of it just being me, me, me? When I'm rooted in love, then it's not a problem. Oh, my goodness, we have this unchurched kid came into class, and guess what he did? He punched my son in the face. <laughs> That's what unchurched kids do. 
What do I do with that? Sam, you all right? Well, let's move on then. <laughs> He's all right. He's all right. It'll be okay. Some guy came in and made an inappropriate advance to Chloe. What are you going to do about that, Sean? Chloe, you're all right. Let's move on. Rooted and grounded in love. That doesn't mean that there aren't times things need to be addressed, but sometimes it's really just not that big of a deal. Is it worth chasing somebody out of a church where they're going to get their help just because I'm mad that someone's feelings are hurt? If I'm rooted in love, it changes everything. It changes the way I look at everything. What about the man who thinks he's a woman and comes to the church? What are you going to do with that? <laughs> Some people are looking at me like, oh my. I mean, we're, we're, gonna, we're really going to reach? You mean we're going to reach? I mean, people, wait, wait, wait. You mean people, we're going to reach people that lost? Look at Jesus. He hang out with prostitutes. Tax collectors, kind of the drudge of society of his day, he went to them. He hung out with them. He was criticized for doing it by the religious people. Oh no, could I be a little religious? If I'm rooted in love, it changes everything. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15. I think I know why you guys didn't give me a big cheer when you heard that I was going to be ministering. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Go on to 15. I made a mistake. I put 5, but go on to 15. That's my fault. But speaking the truth. Now, of course, we just talked about this to verse 14 where it talks about we have the fivefold ministry and they help us grow up so that we're no longer children. We have some maturity. We have some stability. And then verse, verse, verse 15, it says, but speaking the truth in love. Now, now, look at this. Look at this. Look at this. I'm in love speaking the truth. What's that mean? I'm rooted in love when I speak. And I'm sure that what I speak is the truth. Okay, I'm going to say something. Social media. If I don't know that is true, why would I share it? Because there's something called bearing false witness, which means lying. So if I don't know that is accurate and I share that, I may be lying. Do I know that's accurate? And even if it's accurate, is it love? Love thinks the best. And love covers a multitude of sins. So just because it's pointing something out, is it trying to make someone look bad? If it does, then is it love? Love covers sin. Love doesn't expose it. Because I have to understand this, the principle of sowing and reaping, if I'm on social media exposing your sin, I'll reap that. There are benefits to social media and there are drawbacks. And we've got to pay attention. That's why I rarely share anything. 
Because I don't know if that's right. And even if it is right, if it's negative, who's it helping? It's hurting people. So let's just stay away from, well, you can do what you want because you have your own will. You know what I mean? But I'm just saying, if I'm rooted in love, some stuff I won't repost. Well, well, but the facts say, well, facts based on what? Love thinks the best. Love doesn't have to have its own way. Love isn't self-seeking. Love rejoices at right. Love rejoices at right. So I'm speaking the truth in love. And what happens when I speak the truth in love? I grow up in all things. If I'm rooted in love, I'll grow up in everything. 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 What did we talk about earlier? The fullness of the measure of the stature. What we talk about that? Rooted in him that we may enjoy the fullness of him. What are we talking about that? If I'm not rooted in love, I won't stay rooted in a church. I won't stay rooted in a marriage. I won't stay rooted to my children. I won't stay rooted to my work. I won't be rooted to anything if I'm not rooted in love. I won't stay rooted. If I'm rooted in love, I will be planted and I will not move. If you've ever been out in the yard, there are times that you can pull something up, it comes out easy. And then there are times you can pull something up and it comes out medium. And then there's sometimes you pull something up, you can't pull it up. You got to get to the point where you're something you can't be pulled up. You just can't. You cannot. Doesn't matter what comes, doesn't matter what pulls, doesn't matter what pushes, doesn't matter what happens. None of it matters what happens. I can't be moved. I can't be pulled out of this ground. Why? Well, when you're rooted in love, you're immovable. What's it say? Love never fails. You can't be beat. I can't be moved. So we see here, speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him into all things, which is the head, even Christ, verse 16. And once we're in love, here's what happens. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that, which every joint supplies according to effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. What in the world does all that Old English mean? Oh, there's a mouse. Look at that. What in the world does that mean? That's very King James Shakespearean stuff. What in the world does that mean? What it means when I'm in love and I'm connected to other people, I'm a blessing to other people. And then my gifting and what God's anointed me to do is a benefit to other people and all the people around me. And what happens when we do that, then we grow up and we help the church grow in love. People are excited because their church is known for praise and worship. People are excited because their church is known for the word. People are excited because their church is known for the supernatural. What about love? What about a church that's known for love? Because guess what? If you've got love, you've got all the other. I'm talking about the agape, the God kind of love. You've got love, you'll have all the other. You've got love, you'll have miracles. You've got love, you'll have the word. You've got love, you will have all of those other things if you have love. But love has to be your aim. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says. It says this love. Make this love your quest in life, one translation says. Not to be used by God. Because sometimes that's about you. Not to perform a miracle. Because sometimes that's about you. Make love your quest. The love of God. Father, I want to walk in your love. Then what happens? It opens everything. And a lack of it closes everything. 
Rooted in love. If I want to be planted, I have to be rooted in love. That's the only way it works. It's what Paul said he prays for. I pray, I bend my knee, I pray you'll be strengthened in your inner man and that you'll be rooted in love. And then when you are rooted in love, here's what happens. You'll understand God's love and you'll grow in the fullness of God. But that fullness of God never happens if I won't be rooted in love. Listen, listen, listen. I'm a parent, but it doesn't matter how somebody treats my wife. It doesn't matter how you treat my kids. I'm staying in love. Doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean it's wrong. But listen, in a church, one of the things that I have seen over the years people get most offended about isn't always what happens to them, but it's what happens to their kids or their spouse or somebody they know. Or whatever the case may be. I'm walking in love. I'm rooted in love. And because I'm rooted in love, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to think the best. And I don't have to have my way. Anyone who ever had a divorce, somebody got out of love. Anybody who unplanted from where they're supposed to be. Well, I shouldn't say anybody. Sometimes people do move because God told them. But a lot of the times, they got out of love. Yeah, the vast majority of the time. Well, I didn't like the new direction. What's it have to do with you? I mean, right there, I know it's wrong. I didn't like what's it have to do with you. Well, I didn't think what's it have to do with you. The fact that you're saying I in the statement at all tells me you're not rooted in love. Because love doesn't seek its own way. I wanted, I thought, I, I, I. If my statements are full of I, then I need to look at my love because I'm not rooted in love. I'm rooted in me. And love is much more beneficial than I am. I mean, I'm a nice guy. I'm a fun guy. I'm a fun guy. My kids, whatever. Yeah, that's, that was the wrong group to look at. Yeah, mow the grass, carry the wood. Yeah, I'm a fun guy. But listen, we love you, and it doesn't matter how great you are, we want love. Love is the key. So if I'm going to stay planted, the key to my staying planted is love. The key to my planet is love. I have to be rooted and grounded in love. So before I do anything in this life, I have one minute. Before I do anything in this life, I need to ask myself, before I do it, is it love? Before I say it, is it love? Would love say this? Would love do this? Not what would Jesus do, what would love do? What would love do? Because if you know what love would do, you know what Jesus would do. Would Jesus say this? If he wouldn't say it, I won't say it. Would would, would love think this? No, then I'm not thinking it. Because what you think, you'll eventually say. You've got to filter everything. We know we've said in the past, filter everything through the word. and That's correct. I've got to filter it through love. Would love do this? Would love say this? Would love think this? Would love behave this way? If love wouldn't do it, I won't do it. Because when I do that, what happens? I flourish. I mature. I enjoy the fullness, the Bible says, of the anointing. I enjoy the fullness of God. I enjoy the fullness of the benefit because love keeps me out of sin. And sin's the thing that causes so many problems for us. Every choice to sin is a choice against love. Amen? Well, praise God. That's it. That's it. The Word helps us, doesn't it? 